everybody. How's everyone doing tonight? Come on, I said, how's everyone doing tonight? Come on, I'm, gonna, I, I'm just going to stay here till I get some response. I said, how's everyone doing tonight? Come on, come on, come on. I heard I was stepping into an epic church, is that right? A church full of epic people who love God. God loves them. Aren't you glad that God loves you? I mean, just don't let that just be something that we're like, yeah, yeah. Think about that. The creator of the universe. The one who knows everything about you. Even those things that you've forgotten about yourself knows everything about you. But yet, what does he still choose to do? Love you. Still chooses to love you. With no strings attached. He doesn't say, well, you don't deserve it all. Come on. I heard this saying once as a young child and I've never forgot it. I asked Jesus once how much he loved me. And he said this much as he stretched out his hands. And he died for me. Come on. How much do you love me? Jesus says, I love you this much. As he stretched out his hands. Man, it's so great to be here with you all. I'm so proud of you. So proud of Pastor and his beautiful wife, his family, and just each one, just to see you. How many people have never seen me before? Let me see a show of hands. Never seen me. Praise God. That is awesome. Sorry, here I am. This is what it is. I hate to disappoint, and um, my wife's a lot better looking than me. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the Overachievers Club. Is that okay? Um, it's a great club to be a part of. Every time someone sees my wife, they see me. They're like, he must have money. He must have something. And um, that's okay. I like being a part of that club. And my wife, my family, Kelly and I, we have six children. God has richly blessed us bountifully. I guess when we started to grow a church, we didn't realize at first that we had to grow it all ourselves, and we realized that other people need to be a part of that too, but we've got six beautiful children, 22 all the way down to a two-year-old, so our lives are, are full and we're busy, and Kelly sends her love, she's, she's um, doing homework, taking care of kids and doing all those things, but I'm proud of you, 31 years is an incredible achievement, come on, I said 31 years is an incredible achievement. But I'm going to prophesy something. Can I speak something over your lives tonight? You're just getting started. You are just getting started into what God has. This is just the beginning of everything that God has for you as a church, for you as a people, for you as a body of God. You know what I like to do before I minister? Can you just put your hand over your heart right now? We're just going to pray that God would touch us that God would open up our heart to receive because we've got to have an open heart to receive the word of God today. And would you just pray for yourself as I pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for us right now that we'd have open hearts, we'd have open lives, we'd have open minds, that God, you would speak into our hearts because God, we haven't just come here tonight to waste your time. And God, we know you, you haven't showed up to waste our time. But God, you've showed up to change our lives, to, to transform us, to renew us, to do something inside of us. And so that will give you all the praise and will give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Would you shout amen in the house? Come on, high five someone around you. Say, man, you're looking good tonight. Looking good, looking good, looking good. Man, how awesome, how awesome. I I love the series that Pastor's been preaching for you all, talking about an epic church. Come on, say that with me, epic church. Come on, it's not an epic church, it's an epic church. 
It's an epic church. You've got to say it right. If you haven't figured it out already, I'm from God's country. I'm from England. I've been in America 21 years now. Can't believe that. And a lot of that time now, Felipe, I was trying to figure out how long I'd known Pastor. It's probably now about, what, 16 years since I've known Felipe and a lot of the crew, and we're so glad. I like that word epic. I went on the, on the computer, and I Googled that word, and I searched that word. You've got to watch some of the stuff you find on Google. Some of the sites it took, that urban dictionary is something else. That's some scary stuff there. I had to kind of lay hands on my eyes reading some of that stuff. But I came across one site, and I loved what it said. Epic's a slang word, but it means this. Extremely awesome. Extremely awesome. And I love that when you tag that with church, epic church. Or think of it this way, extremely awesome church. Isn't that what church is supposed to be? Come on, I, I thought I had a witness in the house. I thought, I thought some people were here today. Isn't that what church is supposed to be? An extremely awesome church. Church, And that's what God wants each and every one of us to be. But I want to tell you right now, that doesn't just happen. An epic church, an extremely awesome church doesn't happen. You'll never fluke your way into being successful. It happens because it takes effort. It happens because it takes consistency. It happens because it takes faithfulness. It happens because it takes time. It happens because people say, I'm willing to pay the price. And to sacrifice to see my church become epic. To become a step above the rest. Not that we're better than anyone else. But that we show the greatness of God. When we walk into church, we're supposed to see the goodness of God. We're supposed to see the greatness of God. How much goodness and greatness has been seen today? It's not epic. It's completely the opposite. But we want to show an extremely awesome God who loves an extremely awesome Church, and we want to be that. Say with me the word sacrifice. If you're taking notes and you need to be taking notes, less likely to go to hell, they say, if you take notes in church. Don't know if that's true, but don't leave that. So be taking notes in the house. But if you're taking notes tonight, here's the title of our message today talking of epic church, and that is this someone else's sacrifice. Someone else's sacrifice. 31 years ago, Laurie mentioned. It tonight that Pastor Felix, 31 years ago, he had a vision for a church. He had a vision to touch lives. And what did he do to see that happen? He sacrificed. He continued to sacrifice. Why? Because he saw what God had laid upon his heart. He saw people being saved. He saw lives being touched. He saw this day, but yet with his natural eyes, he never seen this day, but with his spiritual eyes, he was able to see this each and every week. He didn't see the numbers of people now that you see. He didn't see all the nice lights and all the musicians. and He didn't have all that, but yet he saw that and he kept going towards that. But I believe what he perhaps even saw is nothing compared to the glimpse of the greatness of what you are all achieving right now. But the reason why we can achieve that, the reason why we can be in it now is because he paved the way. Because he sacrificed. And I want to talk about that sacrifice tonight. And it may seem strange. We're talking about an epic church, Pastor Philip, and you're talking about sacrifice? 
Yeah. Why? Because we are where we are today. Because of someone else's sacrifice. If you read in Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the faith chapter of those, or the hall of fame of all those greats that lived for God. Men and women who gave their all. For what? For you and I to be here today. For the gospel message to be available to each and every one of us. They were willing to die for that. They were willing to give the sacrifice. What about our Lord and Savior? Didn't He give the ultimate sacrifice? As He did what? He died willingly For you and for I. For what reason? That he knew that his death could bring forth life. He knew the reason he came. John 10.10. The thieves come to kill and steal and destroy. But God says, I have come that you may have life. And not just life, but epic life. Come on, life of abundance. Extremely awesome. Such incredible life. He didn't cheat his way. He gave everything that you and I, he didn't come, it didn't come cheap. It came with a great expense. His sacrifice has made it all possible for you and I. And I thought about that. So I know it's not a good illustration after we've talked about Jesus, but anyone got kids in here? Come on, if you've got kids, you know what it is to sacrifice. You know what it is to perhaps go without. My God, kids' shoes today, you need a second mortgage on your home to go out and buy KDs and just different things. Come on now, these shoes, you used to be able to buy four outfits for the price of one pair of shoes now. And as a sacrifice, it's a sacrifice now to go out and buy your kid a pair of shoes. Why? Because you want them to have the... You you don't want them to experience and be laughed at and not have. You want them to have the best. And I began to think about that and I thought this, sacrifice makes way for the best. Sacrifice makes way for the best. But hold on, that's not the period, there's a comma. But it involves us giving our best. Sacrifice makes the way, but it involves you and I giving our best. And much like Pastor Felix, I had the same testimony in my family. My grandfather, Sedley Charles Pimlock, an incredible man that years ago stood out from the crowd and says, there's more to church. There's more than just people meeting together. And he sought the power of the Holy Spirit. He knew that there was an evidence of speaking in tongues. There was something different. And as a result of saying, I want more, I want to see church greater, I want to see miracles, I want to see signs and wonders. As a result of that, people looked at him and said, you're crazy. And in our city of Norwich, England, people ostracized my grandfather. They laughed at him. They said, you're a fool. You're a crazy. Who do you think you are? But no matter what they tried to do, he refused to give in and say, this is what it's all about. He says, there's more, there's more, there's more. And he stood up for God. He had a holiness in his life. He had a sanctification in his life that he would not give up because he saw more. Remember Peter? Remember Peter and the disciples in the Word of God that one day they were in a boat, they were in the middle of a storm, and what did Jesus do? Jesus walked out to them in the middle of the storm. He walks out to them, and what does Peter do? I know if I was in the boat, here's me, Jesus, get over here now because we need your help. But Peter doesn't say that. Peter says, God, if that's You, look at this scripture from Matthew 14, 28. Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if that is you, what did he say? Command me to come to you 
on the water. What? <laughs> That's what he said. He said, command me to come to you. And what did Peter do? He stepped out. Man, what a step. What a, what a faith. He stepped out. And what was he labeled as? I'm sure everyone in that boat said, Peter, you're crazy, man. You're crazy. What do you think you're doing? But here's what I believe Peter turned to everyone in, those boat, in that boat and he said to them, are you ready? He said, you may call me crazy today, but years from now, people are going to look at you as being the crazy ones. Because you didn't have the faith to trust God. You see, don't allow your destiny to be shaped by today's opinions. Think about that. What are other people speaking over you? What's the opinion that people are giving in your life? Oh, you're crazy. I mean, that's foolishness. Oh, man, your church or your holy rollers. Don't allow your destiny to be shaped by other people's opinions. Because if we listen to the opinions of now, we're going to be defeated. We're going to be deflated. We're going to say there's no hope. What's the point? Let's give up. Let's No, no, my destiny is greater than what someone else is speaking into my life. My destiny is a plan and a purpose that God... God has and knows over my life before even the foundations of this earth. He knew the plan and he knew the purpose. And God has called us, just like Pastor Felix, just like my grandfather, God has called us to build a future which takes sacrifice for today. You know, a lot of people, they want all the bells and the whistles, they want all the nice cars, they want the big jobs, they want all the fun games, they want to, what? They want to play now. So, what's going to happen later? They're going to end up paying later. But you know what we've got to realize in our lives? It's time for us to pay now, so we can enjoy it and play later. We've got it backwards in our life. We want all the fun and we want all the joy. But we've got to realize sacrifice means there's a price that has to be paid right now. And if you don't pay for it now, you're going to pay for it later. And you're not going to like the later payment because God has a plan for your life. And every one of us are here in some shape or form because of another sacrifice. Through someone giving their life through someone's hard work, through someone's finances, through their instruction and time. You're here today because someone invested time in you at school and taught you and trained you and helped you and said, we believe in you, we trust in you when no one else saw anything. And church itself happens because of other people's sacrifice. Last year in our church, we did something we'd never done before. We had what we called a no-serve Sunday. No-serve Sunday. And what we did is we didn't tell the church that we were having a no-serve Sunday. We just had people show up to discover there was no nursery on that Sunday. There was no kids' church on that Sunday. And when they called up, oh, sorry, we can't pick you up on our buses this Sunday. Come on, we had a no-serve Sunday. We had no spotlights on. We had no nice stuff. We had no band on the platform. We just had Trey and Megan with a guitar and just a microphone and sang. We had no one greeting people at the doors. We had no food in the cafe. People were upset about that. They were waiting for breakfast. (laughs) And people are like sitting in church and didn't know what was going on. And finally I said, isn't it amazing how different church is when someone doesn't serve? When someone doesn't 
sacrifice and give of their life. That's a chair you're sitting on today. But you know what? That's a chair that someone gave so you could sit on. This is a cool microphone, but someone gave so you can hear me not only through this microphone because this is no good without speakers and amps and soundboards. You can see us today because someone paid for us to buy these lights and to do all these things. We are standing, we are sitting, we are placed today. And I want you to see this in someone else's sacrifice. And do you think it was easy for them? Do you? If it was easy, it wouldn't be called a sacrifice because the thought of sacrifice is not easy. It costs them because sacrifice costs. But you know what sacrifice also does? It's a gift that will keep on giving. It will keep on giving. It's like that old joke. Remember the old joke? The difference between commitment and getting involved is like a bacon and egg breakfast. Anyone like a bacon and egg breakfast? The chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. A lot of people involved in church. Come on. Not many people willing to give everything. Come on, the egg. The egg. The chicken just had to lay an egg. The pig had to give his life. And isn't that what God wants us to do? God wants every one of us not just to give a little, but to give. So what now? If it's someone else's sacrifice, what now? Here's what I want you to hear tonight. Are you ready? You are now the link that keeps this thing going. Someone else provided the sacrifice for us to be here. But now it's your responsibility and my responsibility to be the epic church. Extremely awesome, committed and giving that we can keep this thing going, that we can sow for the next generations, that we can keep building for the next people and the next soul, that we can, because why? Without you, there will never be a them. Without you, there will never be a them. You and I today are called to pave the way to prepare for our next generation. Our sacrifice may not be rewarded today. Well, no one's thanked me for holding the door open. No one's done Your sacrifice may not be rewarded today, but it will return back in the future of someone else. And trust me, it's going to be returned in the future of someone else. And that's the power of epic church. Everyone doing their part together to accomplish greatness, something extremely awesome. I want to share a scripture with you today, really a story from the Word of God from Exodus chapter 37. Exodus 37. And it's called the Valley of Dry Bones. Just say with me, someone else's sacrifice. Someone else's sacrifice, because that's what we're talking about. Ezekiel 37, we're going to start reading in verse 1 through verse 3 to start with. And it says, And the hand of the Lord came upon me. This is Ezekiel speaking. And God brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and He set me down in the midst of a valley, and the valley was full of bones. 
Then God caused me to pass by them all around. Can you picture this? He's, he's walking through the middle and everywhere he turns. Man, you can imagine he's not like wanting to step on anything. Man, this is like gross. This is like awful. What's going on? God's brought him into a place where all around him, as far as he can see, there is death, decay, bones, just nothing. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And God said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered and I said, O Lord God, only you know. What we probably realize is this, is a valley of dry bones, is this has probably been the scene of a great battle, a great fight, a great war has taken place. Because it wasn't obviously a burial ground, because they would have been underground. It wasn't a cemetery. There was a a struggle. There was a, a fight. There was a war that had taken place. And as a result, many countless people had fallen and their bodies were laying all around. We're in an We're in a battle today. Come on, I said we're in a battle. And there's dead, decaying people laying all around us today. And what was the question that God asked Ezekiel? What is the question God is asking each one of us, I believe, tonight? He asked him this question in verse 3. Son of man, can these bones live? In other words, is there any hope? For that which appears to be completely dead. And what does Ezekiel do? Ezekiel does what we do. He gives a safe answer. He says, oh God, only you know. He he just throws it back on God. He says, God, it's what you know. It's a safe answer. Why would he say that? Because in the natural, let's just be honest. He's saying only you would know, God, because if I'm to answer right now, I'm not seeing life. I'm not seeing any hope. I'm not seeing any way that these bones can live. God, they are dead. So, God, it's up to you because I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling it. I I, I just don't know. And I use this illustration. Just give me that ball, can you, Aaron, a second? Ask for her to give me this ball. I thought about it. It's almost like God's playing catch with Ezekiel in the yard, okay? And God throws out the ball. Ezekiel catches it. Now what do you do if you're playing catch? You do what? Throw it back. Okay. Oh. You're supposed to catch it too. That spoils the illustration right there. Let's try it again. God's playing catch. Okay. So what does he do? He throws it back. Okay. So can you see that God's almost playing catch with Ezekiel like he wants to each one of us? So he's like saying, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Oh. Sorry, see that TV, I couldn't see it. You ready? He's like, can these bones live? Hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball. Okay? Get ready, get ready, get ready. Okay? So let's see what happens next. God says, so can he? So what does he say? Ezekiel says what? God, only you know. Who's holding the ball? Not a trick question. I hate to be God in the illustration, but I am God in the illustration. (laughs) Who's holding the ball? God. God pitched it. Ezekiel pitched it back. 
But notice again, what does God say to him? Read on, verse, verse 4 through 6. And God said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will put sinews on you and I will bring flesh upon you and I will cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you shall live. Then you know that I am the Lord. But what does God say to him? You speak. So what's the story? You remember? God says, can they live? What's the reply? God, only you know. God says, yeah, I do know. And here's what I know. You do something about it. You do something about it. I have called you to do something about it. God says, you Speak. God says, yes, I'm the breath of life. Yes, I'm the one. But God says, I want you to speak life. You see, God wants to use you. You may say, me? Yeah, God wants to use you. It's just like he's playing catch. He's like, how's your day? Oh, I'm doing good, God. How are you? I'm fine. God is interacting with our lives. He has a plan and he has a purpose for each one of us. And God wants for every one of us to be involved in what he's doing. But the question tonight is this, what are you speaking? What is it that you're speaking? God says, I want you to speak, but what are you speaking? There's two choices. It's not that hard. Are you ready? That God says it this way, Proverbs 18, 21. He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, what you speak is what you're going to be. You're going to be the product of the words that come out of your mouth. And God says there's two choices. You can either speak death or you can speak life. Which one is it? And it's not just about speaking death or life. I want to take it one step further. What are you listening to? Because what you listen to gets into your spirit and it fuels you and you begin to share it out of you. So you may say, well, at least I'm not saying it, but you're partaking in it. You're being around it. It's getting into you and I'm telling you, garbage in, it's going to come out. So you've got to watch, what am I speaking? What am I feeding my life on? Is my life about death? Is my life about life? Because there's death all around us. And God says, what are you going to do about it? As he pitches the ball to us and says, the ball is in your court. So am I speaking death or am I speaking life? Have you heard yourself lately? I mean, really, have you heard yourself lately? Oh, this is just really bad. Oh, I hate change. I don't want to change. Well, listen, if you won't change, you're going to stay the same way. Touch your neighbor and say, you need to change. You need to change. About this one, I'm just sick. I'm just sick and I'll never be well. Come on, you've got to watch what you are saying. What about this one? My marriage is over. What about this one? My kids will never be saved. What about this one? I'll never be happy. I'll never find someone. Well, maybe that's the reason you 
won't find someone because you're miserable and depressed. You need to be a what? Someone that kind of sell yourself that someone wants to be with you. Help us, Jesus. But you've got to watch because what we're speaking, after all, let's be real, it's a valley of dry bones. But not only do we have to watch what we speak and watch what we hear, there's another aspect today. You've got to watch because you've got to watch what you're typing to. Because we can say, well, I didn't really say it. Hey, if you typed it, this is as good as saying it today. Well, I was just venting my feelings. Listen, if you wouldn't say it out of your mouth, don't say it through your fingers. Because you're still saying it. What are you speaking? Oh, status update. My life is miserable and I'm depressed. Well, be a part of an epic church and let God change your life. Let God work in your life. Why? Because God wants us to speak life. Listen, there was already death. Come on, there was already death. Death had already been spoken. But God says, would you speak life? Twelve spies went into the land of Canaan. Twelve spies saw a land flowing with milk and honey. But ten saw giants. Ten of them said, there are men greater and bigger than us. There is no way that we can do. Two people saw the blessings of God and the ability of God and the ableness of God and says, hey, we're more than able. But the others spoke death and says, there is no way we can do this. There was no way we can make it. And they never made it. And as a result of their speech, not only did they not make it, but a whole generation died. And 40 years it was later till they would step in to the promise of God. Other people will be affected by the conversation and the attitude of your life. You see, we've got to watch that we don't see the mountains instead of seeing the mountain mover. There's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be heartache. There's always going to be questions and problems and, and trials all around you. And let me ask you another question tonight. Are you ready? Do you think that your life will ever be free from struggles and pain? Do you think that every night you will sleep peacefully every night and you will never have any concerns? Come on, how many people think that's possible, that I will never have any more pains or struggles or anguish or pain? Anyone? I'm glad because I was going to say, if you're here, we need you to pray for us. But then I thought about it. I'm like, no, if you're here, we're going to pray for you to cast out that delusional spirit from you. (laughs) That spirit of lying. Because every one of us knows that we have struggles and we have pain. But what do we do in the struggles? What do we do in the pain? We have to speak. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, we've still got to speak. We've got to keep proclaiming the word of God over our lives and over others. I don't know how you pray, but every day I pray the scriptures of God upon my life. One scripture I pray a lot over my life is Isaiah 55 verse 11. His word will not return void, but it will accomplish, come on, what I please and it shall prosper in the things which I have sent. Here's another one I pray over my life every day. No weapon that's formed against me is going to prosper and all those that rise up against me is going to fall. Here's another I'm the head and I'm not the tail. Come on, I'm the lender, I'm not the borrower. I'm above and I'm not beneath. Come on, I claim the word of God over my life. Do I feel an overcomer every day? No. 
Do I feel peace in my heart every day? No. But I still speak the truth. Come on, I still speak the truth because God's word is true and God's word is life. You and I have got to keep speaking his word. Oh, Pastor Philip, I've been speaking it for years. Well, keep Ongoing. Because if you haven't got to where you need to get to, you never will if you quit. you got to keep on going and keep on going. you got to keep on going. Some of you may remember this. It's like the Timex watch. The old slogan used to say, it takes a licking, but it keeps on ticking. Come on now. you got to be a Timex watch. you got to keep on going. You may be taking a licking and the enemy's hitting you hard. But you've got to keep on speaking. you got to keep on believing. The type of talking and speaking that we're talking about, it's more than just a verbal thing. Don't just talk about it. You've got to live like it. Live like you have it. Live like you're in it. Live like it's yours because God has given it to you. I wonder how many of us tonight have allowed our voice to be silenced. Discouragement is real. We heard it tonight for Josh just the discouragement that comes into your life and the depression and just, just when you start looking at yourself and say, man, you know, maybe things aren't where I think they should be and they're not happening. What does God say? God doesn't say, look at the circumstances. God says, speak to the circumstances. Begin to speak to those things. Come on, am I going to keep speaking life? Am I going to keep speaking and living for Him? That's the choice I have. If I don't see it happening like I want it to happen and when I want it, what am I going to do? I've got to keep speaking. I've got to keep sacrificing. I've got to keep giving to God. So let's read on verse 7 and it goes on to say this. So I prophesied and spoke as I was instructed, as God commanded me. And as I spoke, as I prophesied, there was a noise. And suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. And indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. What did Ezekiel say? As I spoke, something began to happen. Turn to your neighbor and say, nothing's going to happen if you don't speak. Come on, nothing's going to happen if you're not going to speak life. If you're not going to have faith. You see, without you, your family's going to die and go to hell. Without you, your kids are going to be lost. Without you, the sick still around you are still going to be sick and the oppressed are still going to be bound and the depressed are going to still feel there's no hope because we're called to be the hope of the world. And if we're not living it, if we're not speaking it, then there's no hope for a sin-lost world all around us. There's no one going to be saved. There's no one going to be changed because without you, there's not an epic church. There's just a dead church. A church that's not producing life-giving results that God has called. I believe you need to realize something today, and that is this. You are here today because someone spoke a word over your life. 
Someone prayed for you. Someone said, you know what? I see what you're going through. You need to come to my church. You need to come. Why? Because we've got a life-given church. We're talking about what you're going through. We're going to pray for you. You are here today because someone spoke and prayed over your life. Someone shared the gospel with you. Someone loved you enough. Someone sacrificed maybe going to the mall, going to the movies, going out with their friends to stay behind Because you had a need. Someone sacrificed for you. Someone paved the way for you to know God. So are you just going to sit in someone else's sacrifice and make it to heaven? Or are you going to be his voice and be a sacrifice for someone else? That's what an epic church is all about. It's not about, wow, look at us, we've arrived. No, No, Paul said it the best. Paul says, I haven't made it yet. But this one thing I do, I let go of the past. He's speaking about the failures, but also the successes. I let go of everything that's going to hold me back because success can hold me back as much as failure. Why? Because when I fail, I have to change. But when I'm successful, I don't need to change. So we've got to watch because it can be just as big a trap as the failures of our life. Paul says, I've got to let the past and everything go. So watch, so I can reach forward, so I can fly and propel my life into what God has for me in my future. Are you serving in the house? Are you serving or do you have a consumer mindset where you just show up to church and you say, feed me. Give to me. Serve me. Meet my needs. You know what? I've discovered that my greatest needs have been provided and met as I've met other people's needs. And I've got a scripture to back that up. If you want one, are you ready? Here's a scripture for you. Give and it will be given unto you. It doesn't say it will be given unto you. Then you can get. You've got to first give so it can be given unto you. You've got to sacrifice and give. I don't always feel like coming on a Sunday to preach. I'm telling you right now, pastor doesn't always feel like being here on a Sunday. None of us perhaps feel, but we come for what reason? Because we push through self and we realize there's other people that need what we have. So we've got to be willing to give it, not just sit in someone else's sacrifice, but make a way and an opportunity for someone else to sit in our sacrifice. Come on, say with me, someone else's sacrifice. I'm amazed when people come to me, and I know they've come to you, and they come to our church, and here's what they say. Well, pastor, I like a small church. I like a small church. You know what I usually say to them? I don't say this all the time, but you know what I usually say to them? Well, don't like ours for long because we're not staying small. We're growing. We're growing, growing. Why? Because anything that's alive will grow. And that's really a selfish statement. Do you realize the selfishness in that statement? Because really what they're saying is, I like that I'm comfortable while others are lost and going to hell. You know what an epic church looks like? Can I tell you what an epic church looks like? An epic church looks like that I can't come into church and just leave my cell phone on there and go and greet everyone else and talk to them. Why? Because an epic church has a thief in it that's going to steal my phone in church. (laughs) 
what are you talking about? Because if I can leave all my stuff safe, that means we've got no crooks, that means we've got no sinners, that means we've got no people who need to be saved in the house. You see, we get so comfortable in our little Christian bubble that we want to touch other people, but we don't want the results of what comes with it. We've got to watch that church is not so safe that we can just come and leave everything everywhere. I want church to be a place. Don't get me wrong. I don't want people to risk safety coming to church. But if you're safe and everything is all good and hunky-dory, then listen, we're not touching the right people. Not reaching the right people. Isn't that a, a really a selfish statement? I like the safety. I like the smallness. I like, no, no. While there's people still dying and going to hell, we've got to be doing more and more and more. Remember years ago when I was at Jimmy Swaggart Ministries and what a great privilege I had um, every week to go out live on a Thursday night from our youth service, Aaron, was our band leader, Miss D, was involved with us there. She was one of our head lead team people. God really used us, and what an opportunity we had every Thursday night to go out live. And we had the opportunity to count, touch countless people. I don't know how many people we touched. And I remember one day with one of my daughters in the car, I believe it was Brittany or Hannah, and I'm sitting with them in the car and we're just driving. And we were listening at that time to the radio station that we were a part of. And Jimmy Swaggart at that time was saying the sinner's prayer. And I remember one of my kids just sitting there and they were just saying the prayer with him. And after they'd finished the prayer, they turned to me and says, Dad, how many people do you think you've led to the Lord? How many people through your ministry and your life has been led to the Lord? My first response inside of me was, you know, probably 10,000, 15,000, who knows, and And I could have really kind of been braggadocious and said, well, man, you're probably a lot of people. And something hit inside of me. And I looked at my daughter and tears began to roll down my face. And I said these words, not enough. Not enough. Because while there's still breath in my body, I want to do everything within my power to make sure that I am laying a sacrifice. That someone else can experience the same joy and peace because Jesus didn't just die for me. Jesus died for the whomsoever. The whomsoever. Look at the end of verse 8 again. They come together, they assemble, he speaks, but it says there was no breath in them. We see in verse 5 that God says, Surely I will cause breath to enter in and you shall live, but there was no breath. So what happens when it doesn't happen? You can look and say, but God, I thought it was going to be different. I thought you said it was going to be different. What have we got to do? We've got to keep speaking again. God says, speak again. Speak again. Don't stop speaking. Never be silenced. I want to be a part of a church that doesn't know how to quit. Come on, that giving up is not even an option. I can't remember the man, but in history, Google it and search it for yourself. Don't do it on Urban Dictionary, though, but Google it for yourself. There was a a, a king, an emperor, that invaded a foreign land. And the first act he did as he arrived with all his army, thousands of people on ships, the first thing that he did when he arrived on the shore was to burn each and every one of his ships. You may say, why would he do that? Because he was making a statement to his army 
We've got no way back. We can't escape even if we want to now. The only thing we can do is to conquer the enemy in front of us. Man, we need to burn the ships and realize the only way is forward. We're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. And verse 9, then God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And now notice what accompanies the words of Ezekiel. What accompanies my words when I speak in obedience to God. That now he's not only speaking his words, but his words are now accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I prophesied, verse 10, as he commanded me. And breath and life came into them. And they lived again. And stood up on their feet an exceedingly great army. What's the purpose of an army? The purpose of an army is to conquer. The purpose of an army is to protect. The purpose of an army is to serve and to meet the needs of other people. The purpose of an army is to save the lives. That which was lost, that which was dead, that which had no hope is now what? It's an army that's raised up together. And as we speak, that which has no hope. Do you know anyone that's bound by addiction? There's no hope in their life. But as I speak, as I live, as I'm led by the power of the Holy Spirit to speak over their life, there can be a freedom that can come into a life that is wasted to be a part of an army that's greater than them, a cause that's greater than them. There's broken people all around us. There's cheats. There's adulterers. There's singers. There's the weak. There's the wrecked. There's the lives that are broken and devastated. But as I speak, God says, an army can rise up. Come on, we're an army today that the world would look at as a bunch of misfits. Because we've all come from failures and mistakes. And the enemy would say, how can I use anything? Or how can God use anything? But what are we doing together as an epic church? We're rising up. And we're taking Bridgeport, Connecticut. And we're taking the devil by the scruff of his neck and saying, see devil. You wrote us off, but we're now an army. Come on, we're now God's victorious army. We're now touching this world for Jesus Christ. Verse 11, and he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Come on, sounds much like the picture and the place of the world that we're in today. There's no hope. But we have a purpose. We have a call. And what made it happen? You know, there's two things that made life happen. Two things. Number one, a man. Ezekiel, you, I, we're the man of this story. We're the one piece of the puzzle. What's the second piece? The man. Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit and His power. As I partnered up with Jesus. God, the miraculous supernatural takes place. As I said earlier, someone spoke for you. Someone stood up for you at the risk of being labeled crazy as a fool. Pastor Felix said, Lee Pimlock, you're fools. What do you think you're trying to accomplish? We don't need another church. We don't need another gathering. But what did they do? They kept speaking life for those who would come. 
They kept paving the way to offer up a place of service and sacrifice for others. So as a pastor, as a heart to see people saved, will you help us? Will you help Pastor Felipe? Will you help Citywide Church? Will you speak on behalf of other people? Will you be a vessel for God? Will you be a conduit for His Spirit to flow through? Will you allow His Holy Spirit to not only affect your life, but the life of others? Say with me this. Someone else's sacrifice now requires my sacrifice. Say that one more time. Someone else's sacrifice requires my sacrifice. Because without you, Bridgeport, Connecticut still becomes a valley of dry bones. A battlefield of decay, filth, what used to be and what has been. But come on, when we team up to be used with God, that which was lost now becomes an exceedingly great army. And now becomes an epic church. An extremely awesome church. The kingdom of heaven needs you. Come on, I said the kingdom of heaven needs you. You got to realize today your life can make a difference. I wish I could shape that into you. I wish you could really understand that. Your life can make a difference. And as we are prepared to realize that and say, God, my life can make a difference and I'm going to speak into that difference. God's going to use us and we're going to see our words bring life and hope to everyone around us. We're going to see miracle after miracle take place because we're going to see God move. Come on, will you speak this year? Will you speak as we head into the 32nd year? Will you speak? Will you say, Pastor, I've got a heart for this house. What do you need me to do to serve? Will you speak? Will you live it? Will you pave the way? Will you be a sacrifice? that will make a way for someone else. Will you build with us? Will you give with us faithfully? We're not just talking about tipping God when the bucket goes past and tipping. Well, what do I give to God? God's already told you what to give a tenth of everything that you have. And that's just the starting point of what God wants to do. Will you sacrifice? Oh, that's too much. Aren't you glad he didn't say it was too much when he hung upon a cross and he died? I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip, but what I'm trying to say is a sacrifice involves your best. But a sacrifice is going to bring about the best. And if I want to see an epic church, I can't let it just be on the sacrifice of the pastor and his wife. I can't let it just be on the shoulders of the worship team or on the lead team of this church. I've got to realize it's equal sacrifice that everyone doing their part. When we were building our church in England years ago, we used to have an offering, a special offering they took up every service. We were trying to build a new church. And we would have a special offering. It was called a pound offering. It's like your dollar offering. And we would really encourage everyone that every service you could at least give one pound, one dollar, because every one of those pound coins, we have pound coins in England, where you have the dollar bills, we have a coin. We took all of those coins... And we used those towards a building fund. We figured out that they would buy, I can't remember how many bricks each one of those coins would buy. 
And I remember time and time again as a, as a pastor hearing my grandfather and my parents standing up and they were making the appeal every day saying, don't forget the dollar offer and help us buy a brick. Because as you give, you can fill up the holes. Don't let there be a hole in the wall beside you because you didn't give. And I remember as a young child thinking that, I don't want no holes to be in the wall around me. Come on, I don't want no failure. I don't want no, no lack. I want to see great return and blessing because the church of God deserves better than the mediocre that I so many times give in my life. So will you commit with us? Will you commit? Because pastor's been talking now eight weeks about what an epic church looks like and what we've got to be. But it's only when we put it to action and to play in our life will, it, will this church, citywide church, be an exceedingly awesome Epic church that's touching God. But you know what it needs? It needs you. And here's what I'm doing. I know this may be different tonight, but I'm having a call to service tonight. I want to have a call to sacrifice. I want to open up these altars or wherever you're at. Maybe you just want to turn around and pray. Or you just want to lay on your face. You want to get up and walk. You want to come and kneel here at the front. Whatever it is. But I want to have a call of sacrifice today. I want to say, who will stand with pastor? Who will stand with us as we build a church that's going to plunder the gates of hell and populate the streets of heaven? Who would help us and sacrifice and say, no, whatever it takes, I want to be a part of that. I want to speak life into my family. I want to speak life into my home, into my marriage, into my finances, into this area, into Bridgeport. I'm tired of hearing all the negative publicity that this city was something. It's a has-been. It's over. Come on, it's no worse than a valley of dead bones. And when someone, just one person began to speak, think what happens if a multitude rise up and begin to speak. And every day realize the call that God has on your life and you begin to speak those words. Think what can take place and what can happen. Come on, all over this place, I'm giving a call right now to sacrifice. Would you just begin to come? Would you just get on?